Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. All right, welcome to the big show, big voice. Uh, Sends lose again. They've lost 10 of 12, a 5-1 loss against San Jose after a 5-1 loss to the New Jersey Devils. Two stinkers in a row. And I normally play a clip here. I wasn't feeling it, honestly. That's where we're at right now. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. We'll try and make some, uh, we'll have some fun with the show, even though right now the club is going a little sideways, a little. Uh, Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. Greg, how are things today? Things are good, Stephen. My cold is uh, is all but gone. Yours, yours sounds much better. Your your throat is clear. Yep, getting there. It's uh, still a little plugged up, but uh, yep. man, every second person I talk to is dealing with it or has just dealt with yeah. it. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, scary. I got I have lots of people saying, "Oh, listen to your voice. You got a bad cold," and I'm like, "Well, no, actually, this is my normal voice." But yes, I do <laughs> have a bit of a cold. <laughs> yes. Anyway, yeah. yeah, we're all good. Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, the sends on the other hand are not again they've lost 10 of 12 a 5-1 loss to the san jose sharks and i'm just going to throw this out there randomly a simple question it's a simple question greg and that question is what does a coach got to do to get fired around here (laughs) i threw i threw that out on social media today our dun robin distillery's hockey pool asking people who they might be interested in if the sens decided to eventually someday replace their head coach and it was all the usual suspects joel quenville's name though came up in a few spots he would have to be reinstated by gary bettman after the kyle beach situation would you consider a three-time stanley cup champion who this week announced that he'd be keen to get back in the league i would consider him i don't think he would consider ottawa there's a Certain coaches, uh, what is it? Certain horses for certain courses, or whatever it is. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, jo- Joel Quenville is not the right guy for this scenario that is the Ottawa Senators right now. I'm not I'm not that he can't work with young players, but he's more of a uh, a veteran team come in and get them playing the same way and on the same page and uh, goal oriented and and you know let's let's go for a Stanley Cup kind of thing. He's a guy you bring in in the latter stages of your rebuilding program when you're a regular Stanley Cup contender kind of thing. I I can't see him wanting to coach in a situation like Ottawa's. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I'm just ready for a new voice at this stage of the game, as my screaming question a moment ago would indicate. Yeah. But uh, there is a lot to break down over the last uh, little while. I want to ask you, before we get specifically into the San Jose game, after the loss to the Devils, and it was a stinker, the captain, Brady Kachuk, caused a bit of a stir, I think, mm-hmm. when he was asked about the coaching situation and the fans' reaction, the fan, some of the fans' comments, people like me who just, you know, did what I did. Um, he said, I'm sick of all the negativity on that. It's sort of in a roundabout way, scolding the fans for being negative about the situation. Some people thought that's great leadership. And other people thought... Well, I don't know if you go after the fans at this stage of the game. Customers always right. And I feel like the Sens fans are right in this particular instance. What do you think? Yeah, I think his his message was basically the underlying message to all of it, and he did come out and clearly state it sort of, was that it's not the coach and that we support the coach and we like the coach and we want to do well for the coach. Like, I got all that through it. 
but the 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 opening about the tired of the negativity he mentioned uh, social media negativity as well that reflects poorly on his impression of the fans and that maybe didn't come out right like you can say you know i'm not happy with the the number of uh, conversations out there about getting rid of the coach or about blaming the coach and and taking the blame on himself but if he had a do over he might have wanted to reword some of his comments that came out more more like you just said that are anti-fan or scolding the fans in a way uh, he didn't mean that at least I don't think he meant that interesting question that somebody put on social media and Ian Mendez brought it to my attention Stephen Trainer put it out there here's a genuine question for you are there any reasonable arguments against firing DJ Smith Ian came up good friend of the show with three possibilities, just as a counter-argument. He said, one, and he says, I believe the head coach has been submarine by three things during his tenure that have been beyond his control. Inconsistent goaltending, injuries to key players, a pretty thin blue line. Speaking of thin, all these excuses are wearing thin with me, but what do you think? Are there any reasonable arguments against firing DJ at this point? Well, those really are the only three things you can point to. So then it becomes a matter of assessing, okay, uh, is the defense better today than it was in his first and second year or even third year? And I would say, yes, it is. Not appreciably, not some huge amount, but but it is somewhat better. Um, injuries, yeah, but injuries are a part of it no matter where you're coaching, no matter what you're doing. You're good, a good, strong system and good team play should be able to overcome injuries most nights against most opponents if you're a good team. Um, and uh, what was the third one? The injuries, a uh, goaltending. Yeah, and and yeah, he, he hasn't had great goaltending, but he does now, or at least everyone thinks he does now. I think we're seeing that maybe Forsberg was played over his head last year, maybe a little, but no, do I? Those are not solid excuses or reasons to keep the coach. I think that the all if you're doing a pros and cons list, the other side, the, the scale is tilted far the other way, and the, the the negatives far outweigh the positives. I mean, he could have also said that the players respect him, the players like him, the players play for him. Okay, but that's not to say they're not going to play for another coach. Right? right. It's not going to say yeah. they're not going to like another coach. So I, I think that one kind of wears thin. But yeah, I mean, in, in the big picture overall, those are not strong enough in my mind, and I think you agree, those are not strong enough reasons to keep the guy around anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough to watch him in these post-game press conferences right now where he's getting the same questions, Yeah, and uh, the team's not getting better. In fact, they're getting worse. Two games in a row. We should be seeing little signs of improvement. Last year... Last year, this was a team that was way more hampered by the injury factor. And, th- and there have been some this year, obviously, and, and that's affected things. But they should still be taking, with all the additions they got, um, they should still be showing signs and taking steps forwards. And right now, they're taking a big step back. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said, Steve. It's, it's, it's frustrating. You and I were talking before we turned the mics on. Uh, uh, now I've never coached in the National Hockey League. I've never pretended to, that I ever coached in the National Hockey League, but to a certain extent, coaching is coaching. Certain principles apply, and one of the biggest ones that I often share in coaching clinics is just because it's been taught doesn't mean it's been learned. And I have a feeling that DJ has run out of ways to teach what he wants to teach, and it still hasn't been learned. And it shows on the ice 
every night, all the time, in all zones. Certain players still make the same errors all the time, still miss the read, still or make the wrong read, uh, still make the same, you know, chip a puck here to the wrong place, turn over there, don't pick up the right guy in a back check, don't identify the threat off the rush, uh, don't eliminate people down low, don't get pucks out on the wall. It's, it's simple things that we all heard about all the time that this team does not consistently do. And that, I'm sorry, it, it, it falls on the coach. The message isn't getting through to them to the, to the point that they're executing it properly. The other thing, I think there's another factor at play, and I agree with everything you just said. It's the lack of winning battles too. And, and, and the mess that can create, I think you, mm-hmm. it's a bit of cheating in, in this, in this take, but I think the, um, the fact that they're not winning enough of these 50, 50 battles. Meanwhile, their teammate is coming over to support thinking they're going to win a 50, 50 battle and they fail. Mm-hmm. And now they're at a position. I think of that first goal in the San Jose game. Noah Gregor is left all alone in front of the net. And that was a result of Jake Sanderson just swooping into the corner of the ice in the defensive zone, thinking that Tyler Mott is going to win a battle. And then he doesn't. And now Mott's on the boards. And Sanderson's on the boards. And the puck is back to the point. And now there's a San Jose Shark player all alone because Sanderson has left his post in anticipation of Mott winning a battle that he did not. Mm-hmm. A lot of that happening too, I think. But that's another. That's just one situation, one specific example of a misread that that happens all the time. Right. And it's not like that's you. You pick that up in video. You sit down and do a video session with people, and you show them. You know, like there's the puck zone. We need one guy to be in the puck zone to play the puck. We need a second guy to be a support guy, you know, three to five meters away, but between that battle and the net, and he doesn't go anywhere until he reads a possession change or about to be a possession change. Then he jumps and commits to something. That's a simple thing. And that's, again, that's that's teaching it and learning it. And you know what? Uh, DJ's probably got like five or six rules for when that support guy should jump in and, and, and help. And each player could probably rhyme them off. Yeah. I go and do this. If this, this, or this, or this happens, I go do that. The kid, whoever the player is, he would know the answers to every question within DJ system. If you gave him a quiz, they'd probably all be able to get a hundred percent, get all the right answers. If you gave them a drill and they did the drill on the ice, they're probably all able to execute the drill pretty close to perfection every time. But the problem is there's there's the 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 triangle of learning here. There's the teaching it. Then there's the second stage, which is the learning it. Then there's the third stage of executing it. And that's what's missing. And that's the same whether you're teaching your kid how to whether you're potty training your child or you're teaching a defensive zone system. There's a three stages there and the message is getting lost somewhere between the learning it and executing it. And that's where they screw up. And you can see it, you can tell, because the times that you see them do it right, that's an indication. Oh my God, look, they, they have learned it. They do know how to do it. But then the times they do it wrong, that's as well, no, maybe they really haven't learned it. That's what's telling you that they haven't quite got it down pat yet, that, that bridge between learning and executing. And again, it comes down to the coach and the coaching staff and the defensive zone, who's ever in charge of D-zone coverage. It's just not happening. And it's... Change has got to come. We spent so much of the offseason talking about the summer of Pierre 
and the great additions that were made. And I still think they're great, but maybe we don't spend enough time talking about the deletions from this roster. And when I look at the way the Sens are playing right now, I cannot help but think this team would be in such a better place if they still had Connor Brown, if they still had Alex Formanton, if they still had Nick Paul. And all they have the show for those three guys right now, by the way, is a second rounder in two years from now. And Matthew Joseph, who's suddenly been made a healthy scratch. Mm. Uh, what do you, how much better would the Senators be right now with, with Brown, Paul, and Formanton? Well, I think the leadership of Brown and Paul, the work ethic of those two players would definitely be of benefit. I don't know that Formanton is all that much different from Joseph, although Joseph's stats haven't really been good this year. But I, I, Formanton and Joseph, to me, I see as a very similar type guy, speedy wingers, penalty killer guys, uh, you know, third-line winger guys. Um, but definitely uh, not having Connor Brown probably both on the ice and in the room is does have an effect and not having Nick Paul who's simply a glue guy right he is a a glue guy he's a high character low maintenance just steps on the ice and does his job yeah they miss those two guys for sure Formanton I don't think so much but but I see your point for sure yeah Brown and Paul I agree those are the two you really miss because uh you know there was a you know, they're veterans too. They're men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're older players, and they still had lots of tread left. And at the, you know, I hated losing Nick Paul, but I still like Matthew Joseph. And it's another reason I want to fire DJ Smith. That Matthew Joseph was taken out of the lineup and made a healthy scratch against San Jose. Like, what are you doing? You're just making stuff up now. Don't tell me Matthew Joseph's not better than five guys in that roster that you put on the ice against San Jose. This is moronic. Anyway. And so back to the thought about Brown and Paul, they are in a situation where obviously Brown's hurt now, but uh, they're older, they're more physically robust, and they have that defensive conscience that I talked about. You know, both of them will always leave you wanting more offensively, but they do yep. have offense too. They, they are great secondary scorers. They're going to help you out that way, but they're not ever going to be a liability defensively they do the right thing out there and too many guys on this team right now don't and and here's here's another thing how often did we say that you know maybe they they can't afford to pay uh connor brown because let's face it by the time this team gets good he's should only be a third line guy okay so they're finally good wouldn't you like to see connor brown in your third line now wouldn't you like mm-hmm. to see Nick Paul centering Connor Brown and uh, I don't know whoever on your third line now? Wouldn't that be nice? You know, yeah. So that yeah. that that just adds adds to the frustration, I guess, in a sense. Yeah. Is uh, is there going to be a big change? Like if DJ Smith goes at this stage of the game, is is Pierre Dorian maybe going to go with him? Well, I mean that depends on whose decision it is to get rid of DJ. Right. If it's the board that finally steps in and says, Pierre, the coach has to go, then obviously Pierre's going to stay. But if the board steps in uh, without even discussing the coach and just goes straight to Pierre and says, both of you are done. I mean, that that's what that's going to come down to. Like, I, And yeah. we have no idea how much patience the board has. We don't know what their goals and objectives are. We assume that they they want a better team than they've got. We assume that they that they want a playoff team and, playing meaningful games in March and all that sort of stuff. And if that is truly the case for the board's position, then yeah, they should probably clean the whole thing out. But then again, you look at a 
look at Pierre and he has just put this team together. We all basically think that the coach should be doing, getting better results with this group of players than he's getting. So therefore that tells me it is more the coach than the, than the GM other than the defenseman. What can you pick at, at, at uh, Pierre Dorian and say he didn't, he got wrong or he needs to go because of other than the not getting that blue liner. I think he did a damn good job of putting a roster together and building this team and surviving through the the lean years to get to this point. And now his coach is letting him down. I had somebody on social media today, Greg. Um, he said something along the lines, and I apologize. I don't have the name with me, but uh, he basically said, you have a big audience, a big following. Why don't you use it to support the team for a change? And it's like, come on now. I mean, if we're at a stage, and, and this is how I felt about the Brady Kachuk comments. If you care about the team, how can you not be upset? How can you not be demanding change at this stage of the game? It's it's fiddling while Rome is burning is what's happening here. And if you can't, if you're just going to sit there and go, yeah, like that that meme online with the dog who's in a burning building going, oh, this is fine drinking his coffee. This is fine by me. I'm just going to get burnt to death here in a second. Um, so I, I'm, I'm sorry that it's coming off as negative to some some of the good listeners, but uh, that's the nature of the situation right now. I feel like if you're just vanilla about this and you just want to say, yay, Sens, go, Sens, go, yay, team, I feel like you don't really care about them that much. Oh, I would agree with you. I, I think there's – but there's also a part of us, like, okay, we're not in the room. We don't hang around with these people, but – uh, I think we have a little bit more knowledge than others. And I think it's incumbent upon us to give our opinions. And I believe that that's why people listen to us. I would hope they're, they're listening to us for our opinions. And I'm sorry if my opinion right now isn't positive. It's got nothing to do with personalities. It's got nothing to do with any of these people. And uh, personally speaking, it's just from, from looking at it and assessing the situation, this is the way we feel. And this is the way we, what we see and how we feel about it. And that's what we're going to do here. I mean, and if you're not happy with that, then yeah, I apologize, but I agree with you. If you really are a fan, then you should be feeling the same way. You should feel a little ticked off and a little insulted and a a little frustrated, at least a little of all those things. Yeah, totally. All right, let's take a time out of the program. We're going to get some Sens trivia and we'll also talk about some uh, other issues, including uh, some shuffling on the blue line that was really brought on by Jacob Bernard Docker getting injured and, uh, We'll get to that in just a second. Jim K. Ford Lincoln is turning 40, and to celebrate, they're giving you a gift. It's Truck Days, and to thank you for 40 years of support, Jim K. is offering up to $3,000 in factory order rebates. No matter what it is you have to do, make, move, or create, there's a Ford truck built for you. Come celebrate four decades of Jim K. by ordering your brand new Maverick, Ranger, or F-150 your way. Secure your order today. Get started at JimKFord.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! And here's something interesting. Did you know Ottawa's very own Dunrobin Distilleries has been winning prestigious awards internationally for their spirits? It is true. Their gins won gold and silver earlier this year out of the UK, and their whiskey came in second place as the best Canadian whiskey in the country. Pick up some Dunrobin spirits today at various LCBO locations across the province or buy directly from their website at dunrobindistilleries.com. Before we get to our trivia, Yes. A couple other things I wanted to mention. Why is Derek Broussard continually in the top six for this team exactly? <laughs> I'm trying I, to I, get my head. I, I, I don't get it. I, I, like what? He, he hasn't been a top six player in five years. 
And and he's not like he's, you know, making them look good this year. When you look at his stats right now, he's got three points in 12 games. What are we doing? Well, I think a part of it is that, that uh, the type of game that Derek Broussard plays um, best is is in a top six role. I don't think that the type of game, the type of things that he brings and contributes make all that much of a difference in a third or fourth line role. So because of numbers, he's going to play. And I think that when you look at the 12 available to DJ that night, yeah, he's in the top six. That's the only explanation I can come up with, Steve. Sorry. You know, at an award show, when somebody in the front row goes up to an accept, accept an award, they'll actually have a seat filler. They'll go yeah. in there just so it wouldn't look empty or anything. And uh, that's what Derek Broussard is to me, with all due respect. I know he's local. I know he's got probably friends and family who are raging at me right now. But I, I, if he's going to be a, a filler in the roster, be that in the third and fourth line. Don't be in the top six playing with key guys. And people are barking about Alex DeBrinkett's performance. Well, maybe stop sticking him with a guy who has three points in 12 games, despite getting many, many, many opportunities in both the top six and the power play situation. Let's just stop it. I think one of the uh, one of the problems with Alex DeBrinkett, and I don't think I, I haven't seen it written about or talked about anywhere. Maybe maybe it has, and I'm stealing somebody's thunder, but I haven't read or heard it anywhere. Uh, Alex DeBrinkett needs a right hand shot at the top of the umbrella to feed him for his one T. How often have we seen the pass just not quite where he wants it? And instead of taking the one T, he one touches it back again because it's just not quite where he needs it. And it has to do with physics and geometry and the spin that gets imparted on the puck from a left shot uh, or a right shot passing across your body or sweeping in front of your body. There's a difference there. And the puck comes off your stick differently and it gets to the same spot, but differently. And uh, the number of times I've watched Alex Dabrinkit ready for the one tee in the past just isn't quite right. Nine times out of 10, it's because it's coming from a left shot at the top of the umbrella. Right. It's just, it's just something that that I've, I've noticed and I've, I've seen it from day one with this club. He did get a one tee the other day, but it came from the middle of the ice from the bumper guy. And that's a different angle when the pass is coming to him. So I just think that watch, watch for that. See what you think. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm all out to lunch, but, uh, that's the way I see it anyway. Yeah, and uh, while the Sens have some wonderful, wonderful forwards in terms of skill, I really feel like uh, they don't have Patrick Kane, who is fantastic. <laughs> he'd be on the opposite wall on the power play, and he'd laser something through right on the tape. And uh, that that's a factor, I think, in there as well. But, uh, you know, I really think... Oh, I agree. You just keep, you just keep, going, you keep going to the well. Trust that you know it works. He's a, he's a two-time 40-goal scorer. He's played really well. I know some people are down on him a little. I think he's been one of their best players. Um, just keep doing what you know is right. They, they're yeah. talking about trusting the process these last couple of days. Trust the process. Wins will take care of themselves. You've done nothing but not trust the process with all your moving stuff around, moving the furniture around. I, I just, it's so frustrating, and I apologize that I'm coming across so negatively, but Debrinkit has been fine. You don't worry about him. The only thing I worry about with Alex Dabrinkit is with each passing loss. Yeah. It, it adds to the likelihood he is not an Ottawa senator very much longer. Correct. It's I, I feel the same way, Steve. I keep looking at his body language. I, I look at his 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 uh, celebratory uh, moves when somebody else scores a goal. 
right? Because that's usually a sign. And somebody, especially if it's on the power play, if he's down, but he's always smiling and happy and he's there in the scrum and, and hugging everybody. So I haven't seen it yet, but I have been keeping my eye on it pretty much from day one with the knowledge that, you know, this guy's got to stick around next year. Let's, you know, watch his body language, watch his facial expressions, watch his shoulders and his frustration on the ice and see if he's, if he's genuinely enjoying himself and he's either a really good actor or it seems like he's okay up to now. Right. Lassie Thompson's going to get a chance again. He's up from the minors. JBD is out for a month, which I think is optimistic, Greg. When I hear high ankle sprain one month, I'm not seeing that at all. Not that I think that this is a huge issue because I think Lassie Thompson is a very comparable player. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you. It seems like it's more like four to six. I mean, it's a question to ask the Drake, I guess, next time we have him here. I don't think he did it in four weeks with his high ankle sprain, right? No, he um, missed over 30 games. Yeah. And those things linger for a long time too. The Drake will tell us that. Um, yeah, but you're right. Lassie Thompson and, and JBD, uh, they each have their pluses and minuses, and they probably are a wash. They wash each other out. And they're probably about the same. Either one of them, I think, uh, it probably belongs in the top four over some of the other guys in this lineup. Sens will be in Vegas on Wednesday night, and, uh, well, we're just in time for Vegas to start heating up again. Jack Eichel is starting to look Jack Eichelian. I don't think that's a, an adjective, but he's played very well. He's got 24 points in 20 games. Mark Stone is that a decent start to the year? And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a tough out. And I don't even know why I bother describing opponents when you're the Ottawa Senators. Everybody in the league is a tough out for the Ottawa Senators right now, unfortunately. Time for trivia, yeah. though. Time oh, for trivia. I'm ready. All yeah, right. Am I, so, my question or yours? Who's, whose well, turn is it? We didn't communicate, so it's like uh, we both did a, a little research for our trivia questions. So I'll give it to you today. Okay. And so I'll have, how many seconds do I get? Uh, 15, because you either know it or you don't. Okay, 15 seconds. By the way, Sense Trivia brought to you by Kodiak Security Systems. And if I get it in 15 seconds, uh, you will disarm the Kodiak Security Alarm. And if I fail, the alarm goes off and I lose, and the listeners will mock me until their throats are sore. You've got our question. All right. Well, now I'll begin the I, clock at the conclusion of your question. Correct. I apologize. I don't know the exact number. I think it's probably around 15 or so goaltenders have scored a goal in the National Hockey League. Ooh. One of them was scored by an Ottawa Senator goaltender. Steve Warren, in 15 seconds, can you name the Ottawa Senator goaltender who scored a goal? Jeez, I don't know. Damian Rhodes. Oh, see, that was too easy. 15 goalies? I think it's probably about 15, isn't it, Fred, by now? Oh, that sounds high to me. Oh. But I know Damian Rhodes for sure did it. He didn't physically do it, but he did get credit for a goal. Yeah, like Billy Smith's. Right, right. Yeah. I think Ron Hextall was the first to actually score the goal. Yeah, I know. NHL Burger. goalies who've scored a goal. Head to Google. the internet, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, list of goal-scoring NHL goalies. Billy Smith, the first in 79-80. Then you've got the aforementioned Ron Hextall. Then we're going to the Detroit Red Wings next, Greg. Chris Osgood scored. There you go. Marty Brodeur did it for the Devils. And then Damian Rhodes. Brodeur again for the Devils. Then a Montreal Canadian goalie in 2001. Oh, really? Who was that? Jose Theodore. Oh, Jose Theodore. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, yeah. 
same uh, following season was uh, San Jose Sharks goalie Yevgeny Nabokov. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch here I didn't know. See, told you. Yep. Buffalo Sabres. Mika Noranen. Of course, it, yeah. Mika you know, for, Sniper. Of course. Noted, yeah, yeah. noted Sniper. Uh, Nashville's Chris Mason did it in 06. <sighs> okay. Cam Ward did it for Carolina in 2011. Remember him? Brodeur. Jeez. Yeah. Brodeur's the only goalie with a career hat trick. He did it again in 2013. Mike mm-hmm. Smith did it for uh, Arizona in 2014. And Pekka Rene did it for Nashville in 2020. Yeah, so and how many got? Uh, the grand total. Uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 15. 15 goals. Bingo. Well done. Well done. <laughs> and Hextall with one in the playoffs. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I remember that one. Okay. Yep. Oh, no, you're right. 89 playoffs. It says right here. Boom. Boom shakalaka. And that will do it for our Sens tribute today. It's brought to you by Kodiak Security Systems, keeping your home and business safe and secure in Ottawa for the last 40 years. All of Kodiak's systems come with a complete warranty, and their friendly technicians are the best. They're not hired contractors. They're all Kodiak employees who truly understand the systems and the highest standards of installation. Switch your monitoring to Kodiak Security today and receive three months of monitoring absolutely free. KodiakSecurity.ca. They're at 2801 Riverside Drive, and I invite you, Greg, to step away from the mic before you do what you're about to do. Just <laughs> no, no, I was just, just going to say, Steve, just in case you weren't aware, there's a bear in there. I know, I know. Uh, as we close it out today, one thing I could not not notice, <laughs> Eric Carlson looks amazing. <laughs> I mean, I've not liked his game for some time now. Even going back to his days with the Sens, 2017 playoff run was magical for sure. But even in some of his best offensive years, there were moments where I'd be pulling my hair out watching him defensively. And in these last few seasons, I haven't liked either angle of his game. He hasn't been scoring that much. He seemed to be, I don't know, what just he looked like a guy whose best days were behind him. At least for one night, I haven't seen the Sharks play much. Carlson's movements on the ice right now, the way he's gapping up, jumping in, doing it so effortlessly, he looks like he's a 23-year-old kid in Ottawa again. I don't know what you thought, but good for Eric Carlson. Nope, I agree with everything you just said. He looks very good offensively, and he keeps going like this. He's going to finish the season somewhere else and and be quite pleased with himself. I wonder, though, is it possible that this has something to do with the absence of Brent Burns? Is it possible that EK65 plays his best and is most comfortable and confident when he's the go-to guy back there on the blue line? I just throw that out there. I'm just wondering. Yep, anything's possible. When you look at that deal, I thought that that trade was, and Ottawa has still won that trade, don't get me wrong, but correct. it looked like the most one-sided deal in history, and all of a sudden Carlson looks really, really good. By far your best defenseman scoring-wise in the league, and I think he's top five still in all skaters. But uh, Josh Norris is having chronic shoulder problems. Tim Stutzla defensively has had some struggles. It's, uh, it's not as slam dunk as it was, say, I don't know, six months ago, where I would have still said, yeah. that's the greatest deal maybe in Sens history, and now it's still probably in that discussion. But it's uh, the balance is tipped a little towards San Jose. 
back towards San Jose. Ottawa's still winning. A little more time. A little more time to play out. Yeah, absolutely. Like every trade, you can't really overreact. But I really thought that was a 100% Sens win. And at the moment, man, still like the Sens side. Don't get me wrong. Anyway, we'll call it quits there, ladies and gentlemen. We want to thank. We want to say thank you for joining us here today. Don't forget our website. Couple of new articles up by Pat McGuire and Ryan Heinemann. And uh, they're talking about, uh, well, what everybody's talking about right now, and that is coaching, about uh, the negativity out there and the state of the Sens. So check that out, SensNationHockey.com. Hopefully we've got some brighter news, some better things to talk about in our next episode, and we can be more positive about things. But until then, we appreciate you being with us, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, Stephen. Talk soon.